Distractions are defined as a thing that prevents someone from giving full attention to something else. In this three-part episode, we've gathered for another kitchen table conversation to discuss distractions and some that have afflicted so many Christians. Men, women, and yes, even pastors have fallen prey to the distractions of this world. So join us as we sit down at the table to apply this to God's word. thinking about it, you know, and the GOAT praises exceptional athletes, but also musicians and other public figures, and you see it on social media, you hear so much about it, it turns out that we attribute the term GOAT to the actual GOAT, G-O-A-T himself, Muhammad Ali. And it says in his time, the boxer was popularly nicknamed the greatest, which his wife then turned into GOAT for publicity in the 1990s. Then it says by 2000, the term had become popular enough in the rap scene that LL Cool J named his album GOAT, the greatest of all times. Since then, rappers and professionals, athletes have use the acronym for themselves just as often as their fans crown them with the title. The term is broadened, however, as shown by a 2004 Urban Dictionary entry defining GOAT as tight or exceptional. A name of an online speaker, sneaker marketplace also took GOAT as its name. Though it uses Use has expanded GOAT and its longer parent, greatest of all time, spikes around professional sports championships when star players make headlines for winning their divisions. And we look at basketball players such as LeBron James and Michael Jordan and Serena Williams are referred to as GOAT in their respective sports by fans and journalists alike. But I want us to talk about the one and only true goat, <laughs> which is Jesus Christ. Amen. And I say that because, and I'm not, it can go on. Jesus changed water into wine. John 2nd chapter 1 through 11. Cured the noble man's son. John 4, 46 and 47. The great halls of fish in Luke 5, 1 through 11. Cast out unclean spirits in Mark 1, 23 and 28. Cure Peter's mother-in-law of fever in Mark 1, 30 and 31. Heal the leper 
healed the centurion's servant, Wade raised the widow's son from the dead, calmed the storm on the raging sea, cured demonic spirits, raised the ruler's daughter from the dead, cured a woman with an issue of blood in Luke 8, 43 and 48. Jesus even opened the eyes of two blind men in Matthew 9, 27 and 31. Jesus healed an invalid man at the pool of Bethesda. Most importantly, and this is what gets it right here. He died on the cross for the sins of the whole world. Now you want to talk about the goat. <laughs> this is the true goat, the greatest of all time, and will always be. Why don't we praise him as much as we praise those who are athletes or entertainers or whatever they are? Is it because he's not popular enough? Is he not is he not, you know, is it not peaky or curious enough to, to to say he is the goat? Because that's exactly what we do when we sit down here for this kitchen table talk. We're referencing him from the beginning to the end because without him, we would not be here. And without him, there wouldn't be a Muhammad Ali or a Michael Jordan or LeBron James or a Serena Williams. Not saying that they don't give God his praises, yet I'm not going to step on their toes because I don't know what their prayer life is or how they, you know, exemplify God in a way. But I can hear explicatives come out of their mouth and the representation that come out. That's not the representation that God perceives, but that's their own thing they have to deal with, not me. So my moment of reflection is we have to recognize the true goat, which is Jesus Christ. And he will be to the end the greatest of all time because there's nothing that we can do without the things that he done for us already and the things that he's already going to do for us knowing that we're going to mess up along the way because we are he's the only perfect one that's why he's the greatest of all time came down perfect flawless but still took on the sins of this whole world the selfishness that goes on now. The racism, the, the infighting, everything that he came to do, but we still don't recognize him enough. We don't recognize him enough for who he is, and that's where we have to be radical as Christians. Because if he's the greatest of all time, and we sing, and we could go on and on. I just named a few things within this. We can go, you know, from the beginning to the end. There are so many miracles that he performed that, you know, we just, it'll take up the whole, the whole night mm -hmm. in conversation talking about it. But realize that who the true goat is. And if we rely on the true goat, there's nothing that we can excel in. And that's why I feel like my moment of reflection is the GOAT. Because if I keep that GOAT mentality and reference it to Jesus Christ, then 
I always have that one thing, the centerpiece of everything in my life or our lives that we need to center it around because he is the greatest of all times. The greatest that was, that is, and that will ever be because he will return again. And he, he gonna, he'll return in his greatness and um, awe of everything that we may have seen. But just be mindful of, you know, who your praises go up to. Because that's now you're making an idol of, of man or the things that they do and accomplish. And I know it's understandable. We want to be successful. We want to have these things in life. But when they replace what he truly is and what he done and stands for, then we're missing the mark. So my moment of reflection is know the true goat and who he is and what he's done and what he's doing and what he's always going to do. His word says exactly what he's going to do. We just don't know when he's going to return. So don't be caught, you know, when he does return. So for me, that's, that's my moment of reflection. Powerful, Brother Stan. Powerful, the true goat. Mason. Yeah. I'm glad he defined that like he did. Because <laughs> I know it was Michael Jordan. See, you tried to do something. Regardless of what everybody is saying, about the numbers do not lie. When we look at the numbers, we know. And Jesus would be the true goat because his numbers far succeed anything anybody else could ever do. In every way, it's true. Uh, but I would rank him as second. Uh, tonight, one of the should I say one of the most important words that I use um, and that I see um, the effect of what it has on people today is a very familiar word um, and that word is what we call distraction um, I think Wiki or Webster Let's go to Wikipedia gives a uh, definition of the word distraction. It says distraction is the process of diverting the attention of an individual or group from a desired area of focus and thereby blocking or diminishing the reception of desired information. Distraction is caused by the lack of ability to pay attention. The lack of interest in the object of attention or the great intensity, novelty or attractiveness of something other than the object of attention. So distraction could also be a diversion, uh, an interruption, a disturbance, or even a intrusion. Um, 
It's basically a thing that presents someone or prevents someone from giving full attention to something else. Back when the first video game came out, uh, it was called the Atari game. Um, Atari game was something new on the scene. People never heard of it before, never seen it. But when it came out, it had a way of capturing people's uh, attention because it was like you were playing a game uh, that you never played before, but it was something new. If, if you notice, anytime something new comes out uh, and, and it's basically advertised uh, in a way, you know, media will blow it up to where people will be sort of magnetized to it. And when it first came out, it was all good fun. But little did people know that there was a meaning behind the Atari game. Um, and I'll say this, uh, preached a message one time on the mind and the influence of the mind how uh, we're basically uh, being programmed uh, and we don't realize it. So the Atari game first came out so I just just out of curiosity I wanted to see what, what, what was the meaning of the word Atari. So I looked, looked it up and this has been, oh, many years. I think Atari came out in 1977, was it? Somewhere in there. Uh, I went into the ministry in 1993. And uh, somewhere between 93 and, and 97, uh, I did the research and found out back then that the word Atari meant that uh, we want to engulf you. And it happened to be in a, a Japanese word. And, but it's kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of uh, blown away now because back then that definition was in the dictionary. But when I look for it now, it's been changed <laughs> to where now it doesn't state that anymore. Um, I was reading and, and I came across a, uh, <coughs> uh, an individual who was writing the definition of Atari and he said that uh, it basically derived from the term or a, a Japanese game called Go, and which meant to hit or strike. And then I kept reading and this gentleman said his name was Atari. His, his father named him Atari. And, and he said, well, that, that can't be the meaning, uh, hit or strike. He said, that's crazy. He said he was born 
he said his name was Atari and he was born in 1975. And uh, he said he was always told the reason uh, his name was Atari was that it meant prepare to be attacked. And that struck a nerve with me. He went on to say, uh, my father read a lot and in some book he read about World War II, the Japanese pilots, uh, what they call the kamikazes, uh, would say Atari they would scream and shout Atari right before they would crash into the U.S. carriers. And we know all of that happened during, uh, during Pearl Harbor. <clears throat> and so when I was looking at that and, and, it, and it caught me by surprise, said that uh, his name, according to his father, meant to prepare to be attacked. And my thought process is, I wonder if that's what the Japanese had in mind when they came out with the game called Atari. And when I look at the beginning of Atari with the first game, looking at where it started from, its original origin, to where it is now, and how Atari uh, has moved to, I guess it's Sega Genesis and uh, all of the other different games which I don't know but I, I, I've looked at it and what I've seen is that it has a way of messing with your mind and I just wonder if that was the whole intention was to attack your mind because we have stories where people are so addicted to the game mm -hmm. to where they can't put it down some men women have have lost their jobs because they couldn't get away from the game enough to get to work on time uh, I've seen instances where they have put people in the hospital to try to get them from being addicted to the game because the game has this sense of uh, making them captivated to it almost like a drug. And so they actually have to go to this center just to try to get them uh, unaddicted from the game. But when I look at the video games today and I look at the the cell phones today and I look at how people are neglecting the things in life that are most important to them. I, I, I see what they're doing. They're changing now. And something is taking over and, and that something seems to be uh, social media. Uh, seems to be Facebook seems to be Instagram, it seems to be Snapchat, uh, TikTok. TikTok, it seems to be all of these games where our focus and our attention are going toward uh, what's happening in these, these different games. When I go out to eat and I'm having dinner with my, my family and, 
and, and we sit there and we look around the restaurant, what I see is people not engaging with each other. You know, they're they are not holding a conversation. Uh, everything is quiet because their head is down and they're looking into the phone because the phone has gotten more interesting to them than just basically uh, socializing with their family. Uh, it's, it's sad because we've forgotten the things that are important in life and things are being neglected. And now we're being basically, I would say, attacked. And some people say, well, you know, uh, the video game is is a good thing, you know, because it occupies the kids, you know, if I want <laughs> time to, you know, spend with my spouse, you know, that's the time where the kids can get on the video game and and uh, spend their time there. And that leaves me some free time to be, be with my spouse. But what they don't realize is that these games and, and social media has caused an interruption. It's caused an interruption in uh, people's lives. It's caused a diversion in their lives because we're not doing the things that we used to do that would keep us together as, as a family. Uh, it basically has replaced the socializing uh, that we used to do in person now. Now we do everything by social media. And so it has come a bigger distraction uh, to us as people, especially when it comes down to, to God. As Brother Sam talked about earlier, uh, who the true goat is. Social media has replaced our attention now to where what we're beginning to do is when we're in church, instead of our eyes being focused on pastor and church service, our eyes are focused on the cell phone. How many times have you been in church and constantly you hear a cell phone goes off in the church? And the pastor will have to stop what he's doing and tell somebody to turn the cell phone off because church is no place for a cell phone. When you go to church, it should be, your focus should be totally on serving God. And more than likely, you're only gonna be there for an hour and a half, maybe two hours. And people can't leave the cell phone alone for two hours. And so, it's very sad. I saw a video one day where they had the, uh, they were showing a picture of the inside of the congregation where service was going on and pastor was preaching. And when they got to the pews and showed the camera, you seen them, most of the people had their head down with cell phones in their hands. And they was either on Facebook or some of those other uh, social media uh, websites. 
They was either on those looking at it, doing service. Because what has happened is that social media has got to the point the way it has replaced God. And people will say, nah, he hasn't replaced God, but he has. Because you're only in church on Sunday just for that little period of time, that period of time. And you cannot give God two hours of your time without looking at the cell phone. And he's been with you all week and giving you life, health, and strength, and protection, and, and everything else. And then he only acts for just two hours of your time on Sunday. Yeah, and you can't give it to them. Yeah. And I think it goes back to what, what we said earlier. It's that point of, you know, and I said it. Is he not, you said it before, is he not interesting enough? Not interesting. You know, and, and, and I think my niece, like I said, talking to her, it's not that he's not interesting enough. It's that the way it's being presented now, it, it's not capturing their attention. Because right. it's a different, it's a different society. It's a different group. They're, they're raised different than what we were raised at. Right. And they're not getting that same connection that we got because it was totally different. So it, it has to adapt at some point. Not change him and who he is because he'll never change. He always be the same. Right. Exactly. But it's how we approach the whole situation. It's kind of like um, when the pandemic hit, like you said, the churches are empty. Well, you have to adapt and say, okay, now I'm going to bring it to you this way because we need the church. Right. And that's why so many churches fell away. And I think that's one of the biggest key. And it is a distraction because now it is more important. There's something more important that I need to see than who's presenting it before me today in church. And why are you coming to church? It's true. You know, it's like she said, honestly, she said, why, why would I come to church and I can get it at home? You know, I'm not getting it there. I'm not getting exactly what's going to feed me there. Right. I can get it at home. So why even come? That's why the younger generation isn't here because we're not reaching them in a way that they need to be reached um, because the old ways aren't the same as everything is adapted even over time like I said before they were writing you know hieroglyphics or whatever then on the stone tablet then we're right here with you know all this right. technology it's, it's adapted so we have to adapt with it not change who God is we have to change the, the way that we approach the whole situation now. True. and take this distraction and you know into to break it up in a way that you know this is an attraction, it's an attraction. It's true. So how how would we say that in church when you're being introduced to Jesus, he's being introduced in a way that captivate captivates their attention to make them take notice. Because social media has and knows one thing. They know how to get your attention mm -hmm. because they spend a lot of time experimenting and finding ways to be able to capture people's attention. And that's why if you go to God and if you go to church and God hasn't changed, Jesus hasn't changed, he's still the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. He's still the miracle worker he's always been. He's still the provider he's always been. He's still the same baby that was born in a manger. And, and he's, he, he's, he's risen from the dead. They still celebrate Easter. They still celebrate Christmas. And when you look at that, 
and you look at that powerful impact, what would be more amazing when you look at life in general, when you look at everyone that's been born on this, on this earth, we know that somewhere down the line, mom and daddy got together and they made a baby. Somewhere down the line. Everybody that's, that's breathing on this earth right now know that mom and daddy got together and they made a baby. So we know how babies are made. What would be more amazing than you taking a virgin that's never known a man before? Angels come to Syria at night and say, hell, highly favored one. You know, basically you've been chosen to carry Jesus. Tell her that she's going to be pregnant and it's going to be by the Holy Spirit and she's going to receive a child and the child is going to be named Jesus and then it happens. When you look at the most famous person on earth that's ever walked this earth and you look at everything that he's done and still doing. And you look at the number one best-selling book of all time that talks about his story. And you look at millions of people that know him or has a relationship with him, ever have accepted him. He never wrote a book but the book was written about him. When you look at him and what he's accomplished, no one in history has done these things but him. So when you're presenting him, why wouldn't the attention quickly go to him and all that he's accomplished because it's something that no other human being has ever done. But the attention is basically on other people who have come nowhere near close to what he's done. But the attention is there when he's being presented. So what, what's, what's, what's the problem with that? Here's the problem. <clears throat> Second Corinthians. The problem solved. No. The word is problem solving. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4 says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds, blinded or veiled, of them which believe not. That's the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Now it does say to them that believe not. <clears throat> But is everybody talking about Christ really a believer? Distractions. <clears throat> we could just start listening and they could just start rolling. Social media, you're right, is a big distraction for a lot of people. But even right now, us sitting here right now, we're we use social media. This podcast is broadcast via social media, some type of social media. It's not the thing, which is the social media, 
but it's how the thing, which is the social media, is used. Because I'm, I'm sitting here and I listen to you, Brother Sam, what Janice said, and I'm trying to figure out what's going on at some other churches that's just full of youth. Hate to mention it, but I'm going to mention it. Elevation Church. They got all kinds of youth. My niece and her brother go there. They, they crazy about Elevation Church. So what is it that they're doing in some churches that some churches are not doing? Because, and, and we, we know we were looking at that book by Thomas Rainer, The Autopsy of a Deceased Church, that talks about how a church dies slowly from the inside. And a lot of the churches don't even realize that there are no youth in the church, or there are very few youth in the church, and those few youth are not going to stay around in this situation. So I think that's what your niece was saying. What have they suggested that be done differently? Because the one thing that has to be constant is Jesus Christ. We cannot change him. So what is it that the youth want for us to do? How, how do we present Christ in a way that they get what we got when we were young? But see, they have so much more now that we don't have. How do we present Christ other than to present Christ? It's presented in the same way. It's just the... I think the one thing, and then my son went to a, an event. He went to multiple events, actually. And it was hundreds of kids, teenagers, to, up to 18, 19 years old. The one constant thing that has been there for them has been the music. That contemporary music style has driven them like, uh, what's his name? You sent in the first original we was, we was looking at music for our, for our driven. They are driven by that. That's, that's what they're <laughs> driven by because now they're emotional creatures now. They're, they're, they're emotional. That younger generation is very emotional and they move in that way. God hasn't changed that point. That contemporary music has touched them in a way that draws them just to jump up and just to praise God. The words are still inspiring, even like I told you with the hymnals. Like the hymn is there, it, pre it, it preaches the Bible. Now that whole, it, they're moving away from that hymn because it's, it's, it's moved into something that they're really, um, they grasp a hold to and they, they just really just, they grasp onto that, and that's that's what they, their feelings are, are around that. The, the part is the scripture part is still the same, but the introduction when the song first come on. If you look at their songs, you look at their show. There, you, there is there's a lot of youth there. Look how they begin their program now, and they they create that feeling and atmosphere of comfort. Their comfort, you know, and they come in, and, and that's what they give to them. In most churches, it's like, okay, you come in, but like with Elevation, man, they love them. They love them. 
they love on them regardless of who they are. They don't have to come dressed a certain way. Right. They love on them. And that's what draws them in. Because they say, I can come as I am. I can praise God the way I want to praise God without being judged about it. Not coming in looking, you know, crazy or anything, but I can praise Him this way. And that's what it is. Mm -hmm. The traditional part that we grew up in is that this is how we are. Right. You know, this is it. You know, and it's like, I don't have that. I can't come to church. The young people that I like that, I don't have anything to wear like that. Come as you are. Right. I said, I'm more James today too. Cool, you are? Yeah. Stood beside me, prayed God, and just loved it. You know, love them. You know, this music is different for me. You know, I'm not used to this in the black churches. You know, and I'm like, you know, that's different. I said, but the contemporary part, and then they grasped onto it. And they showed them love from the start. Hey, we welcome you. We love you. Do you, you know, what do you need? See, we're not judging in that way. My niece left the previous church because the older people there just weren't right. And she said they weren't right. She said, I'm young and I know they weren't right. Why do I want to be in the midst of that? That's it. We let those things in the church run the, run the youth away. Because I don't want to be a part of it to have it grow. Because number one, you, you that distraction, that was the distraction. They couldn't get what they wanted. They, they needed so it ran them away. So we got several problems in the church. Yes. Which will definitely have to be another conversation. It, it we'll, is another we'll, conversation. We'll turn the curve. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we're, we're, we're going to have to turn the curve back. But what do we do? Like you, you just said, some of the distractions were the distractions in the church. I grew up probably like you and you being made to go to church. 9.45 Sunday school, 11 o'clock service. If that was a 3 o'clock we were there, if that was a 6 o'clock we were there. Yeah. All day. All day. Mm -hmm. There wasn't no Sunday playing football and stuff outside. You was in church. Oh, watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when I got and I was tired of going to church. Yeah. I'm like, man, I'm tired. Mm -hmm. But I was still in church. And as I got younger, getting ready to be able to make, I mean, older, being able to make my own decisions. Exactly. I saw one of the, in the Methodist church, they call them stewards. I guess same as a deacon or church, they're a deacon in the Baptist church. I saw one of the stewards coming out the liquor store. And they almost hit me in the car. I was driving the car, they were getting out the liquor store. And I'm like, hey, what you doing up there? Well, if you up there, ain't no need me to go to church. If, you, if this is what church going to do for you, I'm looking for an excuse anyway. Mm -hmm. And so he just helped me with my excuse. So I'm like, man, this is what Christians like. I never wanted to be a preacher. Cause I heard about how I, I heard all this stuff about one of the preachers, and I'm like, "Hey, this what y'all do?" And sometimes kids may want something, but they want an out also. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the people in church provide them with that out that they want. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because <clears throat> until children, 
according to James, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth not, to him it is a sin. So when you know right from wrong, and you don't do it, you're accountable. But what I was looking for was an excuse. Because I'm like, well, if they doing this, I'm supposed to be learning from them. Look what I'm learning. I ain't going back to church. But because my mom did what the Bible, and when I say my mom, my dad had died years ago. Because my mom did what the Bible said, do train up a child in the way they should. They might run away, but because it's in them, they come and until I got to the point that I understood and I heard a preacher use this example, we were in church one night, he said, if this roof falls in and all of us die, he said, when you stand before God, God ain't going to ask you about nobody but you. We got to get people to understand that regardless of what other people do, you're still responsible for your relationship with Christ. And that's a message that Part of this younger generation does not know, does not care to know, and is not trying to get to know. Because this younger generation has a generation of parents that their parents stopped making them go to church. <clears throat> like I mentioned before, I knew a young lady that said, well, I let my children decide whether they want to go to church or not. No, not living in your house. That's not what you should do. Because y'all know the rules. You stay up under this roof. On Sunday, you're going to church. But now we've got a generation that... we got two generations. we got the generation, this young generation, that's raised by a young generation that care more about social media than they do about salvation. A lot of times... Most time, a lot of people go to church. You know when most people go to church? Funerals. And they get emotional and they cry and they think about it and it change them for a week and then they're right back to who they were. There's so much stuff going on nowadays. And you know I see it every day, working where I work. But the message has got to get out there that regardless of what they do, and even and, and every sometimes it's time to move from one church to another. It's because a lot of times we continue to go to the church that mama and daddy went to. Well I would, grew up and I moved up here to Charlotte. <clears throat> I got out of church for a while. But I'd wake up on Sunday morning ready to watch a football game, you know, catch the the pre-broadcast and all that. Right. And I'd feel church in me. And at the time, my clutch was out in my vehicle. And I was living over here off of Graham. St. Luke was down the street. And it would hit me so bad, I just started walking to church. Because I just had to get back in church. It was on me that bad. And the reason it was on me, because it was time for me to reconnect. You said one time in one of our pocket, there's a disconnect. And the disconnect is because of all this, the distractions. <laughs> it's 
because of the distractions and the mind. Because if you can, if, if the devil can get your mind, I don't know. We can talk about a situation we're not going to talk about. Once your mind gets messed up, you're not on point. The devil can throw anything. Just that little thing that she see could, is the distraction. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Anything the devil can use, that's, that's in his tackle box. Distractions. Deceit. Dishonesty. He uses his tools. God puts his tools out there, but it's up to us to use the tools for him. What do we do about this generation who are so socially mediated, <laughs> I'm making up a word, who have nothing but social media on their mind? As this first episode ends, there's more to come as our conversation takes a turn toward the distractions that are consuming our children. Have we let social media and technology take the place of daily interactions with one another? Are we allowing these platforms to raise our children and guide them when we should be? Join for such a time as this for our kitchen table conversation as we continue our discussion on distractions.